Today's guest on Fashion for All, the Smart Glamour podcast, is Ari. Ari falls under the model category of types of guests we'll be chatting with on the podcast. I'll let them introduce themselves properly. We touch on their thoughts on modeling, how New York City inspires their fashion choices, and their recommendation for empowering music. Enjoy our conversation. Hi there. Hello. It's so good to hear you. I know. You too. Um, Could you please introduce yourself? Yes. uh, My name is Ari. I am a queer, non-binary person. I use uh, pronouns they, them. And um, I've been in New York for, I, I would say, since 2007, 2008. And, you know, I'm not planning on leaving anytime soon. <laughs> nice. Um, and I know you because you are a smart glamour model. Uh, do you consider or call yourself a model and why or why not? Uh, so this is, I, this is such a, um, I, a dynamic question because it's almost, it's, it's day to day for me. Um, sometimes when there are the sads and the sads come heavy, um, trying to imagine myself as a model or to claim myself as a model doesn't feel right, um, Mm -hmm. because it's, it doesn't match the, um, it it doesn't match how I'm feeling in that state and in that moment. Mm -hmm. But when I feel powerful, when I feel on top of my game, when I feel like the, the possibilities are endless, those are the times when I find myself able to call myself a model. Um, I, still try not to do it so often because I, I always think about, you know, how that may come across to other people because the word model is such a, um, it's a charged word. Um, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of expectations for models and, you know, what a model should look like, how a model should act. Um, where a model should come from, even, you know, going from social economic backgrounds to like you're the country that you come from. Um, I, I just, there's just so many different, I guess, there's just so many different ways to, I guess, be a model, but not the ones that are necessarily seem to be profitable um mm-hmm. for people and because of all of those like I guess hurdles are like they're almost like levels where you have to like hit this check mark and then okay you you pass and so it's fine you you can qualify as a model um I don't want people when I claim myself as a model to think that I have access to all of this uh publicity and wealth and um I guess like a collective like I don't have the same access to that as someone who is you know for example like Gigi Hadid 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I know that that's not something that I even want. So when I mm-hmm. call myself a model, I always worry people will associate it with um, with that like symbolism of elitism. And I am the least elite person. <laughs> um, <laughs> anybody could ever meet I mean do I I mean I love a really good meal but you know I also will like wear something through until like it should have been thrown out you know months ago um (laughs) so that's 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 kind of how I feel about calling myself a model um Hmm. it's 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 a it's definitely been a journey uh when I first learned about smart glamour I um I didn't know if I could call myself our our model or enter that space Mm -hmm. um because I had grown up being told that so many spaces were not meant to me meant for me right excuse me right um and whether that space was um excluding me because you know I didn't fit as I said before those certain check marks or those qualifications or what they were showing uh put me off Mm -hmm. so for example there are um their brands that I was, you know, really interested in, um, you know, when I was going through like college, not college, yes, a little bit, but more high school, middle school that I thought, oh, this is fashion. This is, Mm -hmm. this is fashion. This is it. Um, And then when I started looking at the pictures of the models who were wearing these clothing, I couldn't see myself on those pages. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea of being a model just seemed out of this world. How could, how could I dare to dream or think that I could do something like that? Um, and right. exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, that all makes sense. So I have a few different questions from some of the things that you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'll ask them in this order. <laughs> the first one being, uh, for folks who are just listening to this and may not know what you look like, can you describe your appearance? Yes. Um, so I am about like, mm, I would say five, three, five, four. Um, and yeah, I'm, cur- I'm, I'm curvy. Um, I'm curvier in some places that I would prefer not to be as curvy, uh, specifically like, my chest area I was born AFAB and so I there are just things that like I wish I could adjust my physical appearance um and I do I use things to assist with that uh gender affirming garments such as uh binders are really helpful uh mm-hmm. so the way I look depends on how I present but mm-hmm. I am I'm I'm a brown skin person my hair is uh quite curly I should not dare to leave it out at night because the pain the next day combing it out um and (laughs) (laughs) and I I've shaved my sides of my hair so that I could have this um I guess like uh like a public uh like a public presenting um a public presentation 
of who I am. And um, so I, mm. I shaved the sides of my hair and I'm hopefully when uh, I feel okay and have the money again to go back to salons, I'll be sporting all the different uh, hair colors that I used to. Um, mm. Yes, I, I'm sure you remember the rainbow that I had going on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so that's what I look like. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would say that's an accurate description. <laughs> um, so the next thing that I will bring up from, from what you said to the answer to that question is I think it's very interesting that you first touched on or early on in your answer, you touched on that. Um, sometimes when you are feeling sad, you feel like you uh, can't consider or call yourself or label yourself as a model, um, which is so interesting to me that um, your like emotional state ties into what you might feel comfortable um, labeling yourself as. Um, because to me, when I start thinking about that, then I start thinking about, like, if that's the case, then are we assuming that all people who are models are, what, happy all the time? Or, like, like what is the, what is that specific um, disconnect for you that, that if you're not feeling good, you can't be all, also be a model? I think it's because um, there's this idea that when, you know, you go, you walk out on that runway or, you know, you're in front of the camera, you have to exude a boldness and a strength mm -hmm. uh, when it, you're um, during any sort of shoot. And when, when there's, sadness or when there's something else going on like specifically I've noticed this when folks have taken pictures of me uh for some reason it it, it comes across as like a shadow and mm. the photos that are taken of me and so when I'm not in a good emotional state I I feel that I'm not able to do my job properly as a model and so mm -hmm. for that time, I can't call myself a model because I'm incapable of fully giving myself to that, um, that, you know, I guess like physical request to showcase mm -hmm. that power, that strength, that boldness and that beauty. When on the other hand, I may feel, you know, so small. Hmm. That is so interesting. Do you think that that, um, effect is something other people can see in the photos or do you think it's something that only you can notice? I've had people say that you that I will shine brighter in different mm -hmm. photos than others or mm -hmm. it will seem that I'm get like the difference between someone giving 100% and the difference between someone giving 90%, that 10% can be extremely monumental for um, how effective that photo campaign is going to be. Um, mm. And so if I'm not able to give that 
additional 10%. One, I'm always going to remember it because mm. I was there behind the camera. So I know where my mind state was. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I know when folks tell me that, oh, I really like this specific photo, but they won't mention this other photo where I may know that I was having a difficult day. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So what may happen then if, say, you know, you're cast in something ahead of time and then when the time comes around to participate, it's not a good day for you? What What are your um, your tactics for that? So the first thing first is I I never drop out of previous commitments unless. I'm, you know, ill or something, you know, major uh, and urgent has come up uh, because sometimes even just getting to that space can mm -hmm. add an extra, you know, percent that I may need to be able to get through the shoot because it's not just me, you and a camera, it's me, you and the other models. It's this community that mm -hmm. we have and so mm -hmm. when I get to that space I may have been feeling you know really horrible but by the time I get there and I'm talking talking to the other models I'm catching up with you I get to a place where I feel that I believe that I can do this because mm -hmm. everybody else in the room believes that I can do this and I have this automatic belief and knowledge that the folks in the room around me can do this. So it's kind of like a back and forth exchange of believing in each other. And mm -hmm. when I have that belief, it helps me, you know, pick myself up a little bit um, so I can, you know, bypass the sads. Um, mm -hmm. Another, I guess, a tool that I use when I just don't know. Um, I just, I just don't know if I can divide myself from that emotional state so that I can, uh, you know, step up and, and do what I need to do. Is I dress the heck up. I really do. You've seen me come to shoes like. I'm in there, like, you could just take my picture and what I'm wearing, like, I, I know it's not smart glamour, but, like, I always show up, um, and the reason why I do that is because the, um, there's a ceremony to the preparation of making oneself beautiful within one's own mind and one's eye, Mm -hmm. Um, and so as I'm getting ready, as I'm picking out the clothes that make me feel good, that make me feel powerful, or that for previous times have made me, um, access those states of being, mm -hmm. I, I feel like I can get through the day. And as I'm putting on my makeup, as I'm choosing the different colors of eyeshadow, um, going through, ooh, let me blend this bold lip with this other lip color. You know, as I'm making these decisions, I have, hmm, how do I put this? I have um, complete control over the presentation of myself 
mm-hmm. for that for that period of time as I'm getting ready and I'm about to step out the door. And before I step out the door, I go on Spotify or I go on, you know, any SoundCloud even, and I try and find um, queer uh, fashion songs or <laughs> just things that make me feel like I can do anything. And even if I may not feel that I can get through that day or bypass that moment. Mm-hmm. By the time that I've gotten to location, I've sat there or sat there on a train or I've walked. And, and when I say walk, I mean walk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I stomped down those streets because the only thing I hear are the words and the songs. And so I moved to a completely different uh, state of being. Mm-hmm. But as um, as anyone can know, you you can do everything you can to change your mind state, but the facts of reality are still there. The things mm-hmm. that are troubling me still are within my mind and are still part of my life. So they they may can't come up again even after all of that work, after all of that effort to um, change my mindset. But again, going to that space and speaking to the other models and um, knowing that we essentially got each other's back mm-hmm. is what makes me feel like I can, you know, go through with the shoot, you know, and try to bring my best face forward. For sure. Yeah, I think that... Um those those two main things that you just mentioned aside from you know being surrounding yourself with other people that are um inspiring and motivating but like just you know being able to get yourself dressed in something that makes you feel good and then listening to music that makes you feel good those are like honestly two things that um i really do as well um and are kind of now that now that we're talking about it that's kind of something that I've really been missing um during all of this covid mostly staying at home constantly all the time thing um you know I've been working from home forever and ever so it's not really about that but like you know getting on the train to go somewhere and like just you know dressing up even more than is needed and like listening to really good music and like I am a big um, wearer of heels. So like wearing a really fun pair of shoes and then like walking down the street in New York City to go somewhere. I mean, that's like one of the best feelings. (laughs) It it really is. And when you're walking down the street or you're on the train and you know, you notice that people notice you because (laughs) of the strong narrative that is being put forth in Mm -hmm. the fashion, in the clothes and how you styled yourself that day. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's one of the things that I I really love about New York specifically is that if you look good, a New Yorker is not going to be afraid to tell you that you are working it. They are not. And it, it is, it's so great. Some folks will say, oh, I, I've been asked, you know, oh, are you a model? 
oh, are, um, are you going to an event? Or, mm-hmm. oh, I really love this combination. Oh my gosh, the way you have your hair, it is different, but it is working for you and you need to keep it up. Um, mm-hmm. And these like small moments of validation from strangers that is not on social media. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This real life is so much more impactful than any like our heart or share that I could ever get mm. because somebody yeah, I, saw me for me. Yes, for sure. I like to real. I um really enjoy when when little kids see you <laughs> <laughs> and like uh will be like just like continually drawing their eye to you and like looking like ooh like look at this person that looks interesting and fun or like wears you know has sparkly shoes on or like something like that that's that's one of my favorite things <laughs> oh yes definitely um i when i was working at um a uh, bike share company i was standing outside and that was when i first started doing my uh rainbow uh hair and mm-hmm. i didn't realize how how children just don't really get a chance to see people with um I guess non-natural hair colors Mm -hmm. um because constantly children running up to me and saying oh my gosh your hair is a rainbow oh you you look like a fairy oh my gosh you're magical and these honest um assessments from children like kind of help to open my eye to what is possible in regards to fashion because we're constantly told this is how you should dress this is how you should look this is what's acceptable um Mm -hmm. and this actually brings me to a time when I was uh, looking for a job and I have these, I have these earrings. They, they, I love them so much. They are the, uh, they're like a multicolor metal, um, like almost holographic type, uh, screw earrings. Mm-hmm. And I was told by the person that I was speaking to regarding the job that my earrings were not going to fly that my earrings were inappropriate in the workplace. And that stuck with me and told me that everything I needed to know about that job, which was Mm -hmm. the things that make me happy and the things that I add to my presentation are not going to be accepted here. Therefore, I won't be accepted here because I can take off the screw earrings, but I'm still the screw earring. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ugh. It's so weird. It's always been so weird to me. Like, like especially something that small as an earring. Like, how is an earring not appropriate for, for a workspace? Like, like what is that Ooh. earring doing that would inhibit somebody from getting their work done? Like, like do we really think that an earring is so distracting to fellow coworkers that that negative effect is more, is more so than the positive effect of letting the employee be themselves and feel like themselves in a workplace? 
And it, I, I think that it has everything to do with the fact that our workspaces are set up for men and women who will fall in line with the expectations of how they carry themselves in the workplace. So mm -hmm. if a person who's visibly queer comes in and is wearing clothing that either may not align with their expectations or is um, seem, I guess, aligned with, um, well, you know what, aligned with what is punk, what is anarchist, um, then people have this fear to engage with mm -hmm. that because they're scared of change. And when I think about back to that moment, I think that this person, when they looked at me, they saw change. And mm. change was not something that this company or business was going to want to embrace. Mm -hmm. oh, that's such a good point. And, and you know, it's so unfortunate. And also I'm just thinking back to um, everything we've talked about in the past few minutes and how when I grew up being interested in fashion, I always kind of considered it more interested in like just clothing and self-expression. And I remember being in high school and um I was a part of the newspaper and there was a student who was writing a fashion column and her fashion column was so just ugh, like everything I, d I hated about fashion. It was so exclusionary and like, oh, these are the rules and here is what you should do and shouldn't do. And then she wrote this one article that was so just sexist and demeaning and gross. And I wrote an op-ed in response to it um to say exactly what I felt about that and then she was so mad that um that the editors let that run that she quit the newspaper um and so I ended up taking over the fashion column and I turned the fashion column into basically what I used to do on Sundays for Smart Glamour, which is where I would feature somebody. So I would feature a different person every month for the fashion column and I would take a picture of them and I would talk about the like like mini interview them on their style and like why they dress the way that they do and how they feel about it and, and how they um, choose to express themselves. Because like to me, that's the point. Like, like, like we were saying before, you know, this like magical power of being in control of your presentation and leaving the house in a way that makes you feel good. And then also how that has a ripple effect, as we also mentioned, to the people that see you. Um, and so it to bring that back around to the workplace, it's just so I mean, I, I get it because I'm aware of the world, but but it's just so infuriating and weird and um unnecessary to try to like dampen people when it's like in reality if people were feeling good and great they actually would be more productive you know like i know i'm more productive when i feel good it just doesn't none of it makes sense <laughs> well one kudos to you with that clap back to that article <laughs> 
And not only did you clap back, you took it over. So that is amazing. Seventeen-year-old <laughs> Mallory. Her face. Seventeen-year-old Mallory was uh, not messing around. <laughs> You're still not messing around. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Oh my gosh. Um, but for what you were saying, you know, with folks um, having to edit themselves, edit their presentations or their fashion experience in order to move uh, without encumbrances or hurdles from others. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it feels like it's an attempt to how do I say this? When you add uh, a liquid to something to make it less of its original. Oh, diluting? Yes. So it's diluting people so that they are easier to, uh, I guess, control. They're easier to control. They're diluting your your agency. They're diluting your ability to claim yourself, to name yourself, Um, Mm -hmm. and that I that's one of the reasons why whenever someone wanted to make a comment about my fashion or how I looked or dressed in any way, I, I just was like, I have no patience for this. I went through my teen years of people doing that to me. And I went through, uh, even in my family, with folks saying things to me about my body and how I dress. So mm-hmm. I sure was not going to work for a company who was going to pay me um, and definitely not pay me enough for me to be adjusting my entire fashion sense. I'm sorry, are you going to buy me a new wardrobe? <laughs> Truly. Um, so right at the beginning, also, I wanted to circle back to you mentioned when you moved to New York City um, and that you can't imagine living anywhere else. So where where did you move from and, and what was the prompt to move here? So I lived in California. I was a ward of the state for a while until I got adopted. And I was actually, unfortunately, thrown out of my home literally with a clothing Mm. on my back by my adoptive parent and sent on a plane to live with my great grandmother in New York. And yes, (laughs) yes. The only person that I had known for six, seven years on a consistent basis, not a foster parent, um, decided that I was too much to handle. So she sent me to her grandmother, which is my great grandmother. Um, who I wow. absolutely do- adore. Um, she's an amazing human. Um, but when I when I got here, I for the first couple of months I didn't go to school because obviously the trauma was still setting in. Um, but when I got to school and I met the students at the school, they told me what they expected me to look like. They expected me to essentially, you know, be one of the busty blonde white women from Baywatch. Because I was coming, <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm coming from California. They think I like know how to surf or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I am everything but that. 
<laughs> I did not meet their expectations at all. Like they really expected me to wear Daisy Dukes and bikini tops. And was is this high school? This was middle school. This was middle a school last okay. section of eighth grade before I graduated. Wow. Yes. And it, when I got here, it was January, so like the early part of the year. I've never really experienced cold weather before. Um, and so I was looking at clothing as a necessity because mm-hmm. I really didn't have any when I got to New York. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was looking for, along with the guidance of my great grandmother, things that would keep me warm, um, things that, you know, had multifunctionality. I love a good jacket that folds up into a pouch. Um, and I didn't really think about fashion in regards to how other people saw me because Mm -hmm. I had spent the majority of my life wearing uniforms to school Mm. Um, and so like I didn't really have a choice of what I wore I was told what to wear Um, right and then as I as I got older I started you know going around New York and seeing seeing the different clothing shops, seeing the different people who are selling the clothes, seeing the people who were selling and making the clothes, um, and the difference between those types of shops, as well as the people who walked the streets um, and, you know, they, they dressed to the nines, but I also noticed that, you know, there are folks who were wearing clothes sitting on the sidewalks that were completely threadbare. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, like, I was able to see, I guess, the highlights and the lowlights of fashion in this city. And the things that really clung to me were accessibility. Uh, having the ability to get what you need, not necessarily what you like, but also having the accessibility to learn about what it is that you like. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, for example, there are some stores where they sell everything, but it's literally the same thing. Um, It's like, okay, these are all of your shirts. Wow, there's, they're like all t-shirts, but, and they have all these different, like, graphics on them but there's nothing really interesting about it because Mm -hmm. my thing is anybody can fast fashion a t-shirt and do a print on it and put it out there but someone who actually looks at the cut and how it's going to sit on someone um oh should we do something with the hem here should we you know make this a v-neck in the back instead of in the front you know interesting things like that that I guess really helped solidify my relationship and love of New York because Mm -hmm. there's, there's so much room and willingness to try new things and create new things for other people, which I absolutely adore. A lot of the things that I wear today, I would not have known about um or been aware of as early as I was if I wasn't you know walking around New York and seeing what it was that other people were wearing and looking fabulous in Mm -hmm. yeah this city is 
the best people watching city. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can't do that on a 405 in LA. No, no, definitely not. Um, so how did you originally find the casting for Smart Glamour? So I had um, moved in with a roommate and we had moved to Queens. I, when we had moved, I had, I was just about to graduate. Um, and so, you know, I got that diploma, got my degree. <laughs> it was an expensive piece of paper. <laughs> then I went back home. <laughs> I went back home to my roommate, said, you know, we did the whole celebrate. And um, we like really formed this bond specifically because I was able to live in a space with another non-binary queer person and mm-hmm. who's actually another smart glamour model. And I, I felt that because we had this commonality in our willingness to um, play with gender presentation mm-hmm. And our, I guess, our desire to be authentic to ourselves. When Mm -hmm. my roommate had begun talking about Smart Glamour and had told me, hey, you know, there's a casting. Oh, I've done it before. Here's some of the photos. Here's a video from the shoot. Um, And I saw, and I saw the website and I was just like, one, my roommate thinks I can be a model. What? <laughs> <laughs> Have they seen me? My and, and this is a roommate who has seen me like order an entire um, pumpkin, get an entire pumpkin pie from Costco. Yes, I mean the large one, and eat basically the entirety of it because nobody else in the household likes pumpkin pie. Um, <laughs> So, and I, like, I had all these, I guess, not so graceful moments uh, in that household that it was wild to me that my roommate literally thought that I could do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, looked more on the website and I fell in love with how upfront and direct you were with the website and stating that, you know, this is not fashion, this is fashion Mm -hmm. for all. Um, Mm -hmm. And the main thing that really warmed me was I was not looking at the same model for three Mm -hmm. pages of clothing. Mm -hmm. Um, I was not I, I was seeing people who reminded me of myself or reminded me of the strong idols that I have seen in my life and that I aspired to. Um, and when I saw that you had included all so many different types of people, I was mm-hmm. just like, you know what, let, let me give, give this a chance because I got I had come with a theater background. I uh, majored in theater with a concentration in performance and I minored in sociology. And uh, one of the things that really upset me about theater, specifically the theater at the school that the college that I attended was, it's very white, very Mm -hmm. white. And, you know, they say, you know, Oscar's so white, Broadway's so white. (laughs) 
Uh, and it's only until up until the like last, you know, I would say like maybe five years where I'm seeing more shows where the cast is majority black, uh, are people of color. Um, and so I believed that I couldn't make it in the theater world because mm. I'm, I'm not exactly the typecast for anything that folks are looking for. I am, mm -hmm. I'm in the middle. I'm a right. non-binary, black, white, indigenous person who doesn't really seem to fit any specific place. But the reason why I love Smart Glamour is that Smart Glamour doesn't have any specific place for any specific person because there's a seat at the table for all of us. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's so weird to me to look at different clothing sites where not only might you only see one model, maybe two for how many, however many pages, but then also there's so many where they, they'll like cut the model's upper face off or head off altogether. <laughs> like, it's just like, well, I think that, I think that probably might even irk, irk me the worst. Um, it's just like, you know, let's just completely de dehumanize this person because they're just a clothes hanger anyway. So why why do they even need a head? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, if this was a fashion line for Marie Antoinette, post the beheading. Okay, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Oh my goodness, yes, 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 yes. Um. So has anything shifted specifically for you um, in the past three years since modeling for Smart Glamour? Um, I guess, so the first time that I modeled for Smart Glamour, I was definitely anxious. Uh, I had a <laughs> lot of nervous energy. I hadn't been really in front of a camera. I've taken acting for the camera courses before. So like I was familiar with that, but with acting, you have to have, there's intent, uh, there's mm -hmm. a goal, um, and there's someone else to bounce off of, uh, whether it's the collective audience watching or another person on camera. With modeling, mm -hmm. you have only yourself and the camera to contend with. Um, mm. and I may, you know, you, you definitely would give like great adjustments, uh, but it was still like between me, myself and the camera. Um, mm. and I was scared of that. Um, mm -hmm. I was scared that I didn't trust the image of myself enough for it mm -hmm. to come across how I wanted it to how I wanted my image to come across to you know the audience or folks browsing the site um and after that after the uh show I felt this sort of I guess this power uh mm -hmm. that was an amalgamation of the support that everyone who was there that night had in each other. Um, mm. The modeling industry to me is uh, very, it's, it's scary and exclusive because 
there seems to be this whole, it's um, all for one. Yeah. And what you did was you said one for all. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's, that's specifically why I was able to take my place at the table um, Mm -hmm. with, with more confidence than I had prior to the show. Hmm. And then, and then, you know, after you have that first experience, then you, then, you know, you do it again and you do it again. And I think that um, that's something that I see in a lot of uh, Smart Glamour models who maybe have not modeled previously before Smart Glamour, or even maybe people who have, but they haven't modeled in this very specific kind of environment that like you, I watch people literally through the other side of my camera um just get more and more comfortable in the room and in their bodies and with their themselves and like what an image of themselves can look like um it's really like a one of one of those like unintended unexpected lovely side effects of smart glamour <laughs> it, it really is and because of that um that energy and that confidence that builds back onto itself with each shoot, I was able to take the leap and submit for different things. Uh, Mm. You know, I was submitting for things that I never would have even, you know, continue reading the post or reading the um, casting call because I would have said, oh, you know, that's definitely not going to be for me. I can't do that. That uh, I, I'm scared. Um, mm-hmm. I'm scared of being told that I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. But because of the, the confidence that I got from Smart Glamour, I decided that, you know what, I'm going to submit. And it, a lot of them did not get back to me. That is the truth. Um, (laughs) And I know that that also has to deal with the fact that, you know, the fashion industry is currently changing and, you know, uh, queer, trans, non-binary people prior had to, you know, audition as either man or woman. You know, you couldn't audition as yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think to this one uh, this one thing that did get back to me, this one submission, they called me back, got a call back. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it was, was they wanted me to film something in my home for uh, queer fashion. And mm-hmm. I was so elated because not only did I get got picked, but I got picked for something within my own community. Right. At, by my community. It. Mm-hmm. I was I was absolutely elated and I think back uh to how I felt when I found out quite often um and you know right now I'm not really submitting to anything because I don't really know how folks are managing the pandemic with right. uh casting calls these days I just need more information and research um mm-hmm. but that moment definitely helped me believe in myself a little bit more that maybe I can do more than what I believed that I could. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's so that's so lovely. That's so important. Um, 
it kind of reminds me a little bit of of what Alex said in her her episode, which was by the time this episode comes out with you, it's going to feel so long ago because she was episode two. Um, and I've recorded so many, so it's going to be a bit. But she was talking about how, you know, by being um, involved in a community and a um, in fashion environment that is truly inclusive, it gave her the power to then insert herself into spaces where she felt she was being told she wasn't allowed to be a part of. Um, and I think that it's important to... You know, recognize and remember that there are a lot of spaces that are very inclusionary and um, unsafe and you know uh, pretentious and and all of those negative things. But there are also spaces that would be um, more welcoming to all different types of people, and maybe even you know just places that that need that push as well. And so when you come from the inclusive motivating inspiring sg space it like gives you that boost to be like no i can put myself in this other place too because i deserve to be there um which is such a lovely thing to hear (laughs) It, it is and when i think about you know like the arc of um the the arc of my confidence building from, you know, secretly wishing that I could, you know, wear Prince's purple rain outfit with the ruffled shirt and the purple jacket, <laughs> uh, to being able to say, uh, and actually engage in the use of bow ties, um, mm. and saying that, you know, this is what I like. Um, mm-hmm. this is what makes me happy. This is who I am. Um, rather than having to hide in secret the things that I thought were beautiful is a is mm-hmm. completely opposite of where of where I began. And it, like to me, like I never really thought about it until now, but there has been a lot of growth and accepting the things that I like and making a stand for the things that are important to me. Mm, that's so lovely. So let's close out with a slightly different different thing than I've done before with other folks. Um, might you have a suggestion for um, a wonderful uh, song that you would put on to um walk down the street in new york city to oh my gosh that is so i am a like a music nerd i don't know everything about music but i definitely admit that i have a music addiction um (laughs) (laughs) and i am i'm looking to actually see exactly Oh, you know, um, You Make Me Feel Mighty Real by Sylvester. Oh, that's a good one. This song, (laughs) and not just the song, but the history of who Sylvester um, was uh, as a 
queer icon in San Francisco making disco music for the community and also embracing all that is feminine and masculine within that one that single avatar form um and mm-hmm. so when oh my gosh when i when i think about sylvester um and the song where uh it says um you make me feel mighty real it's not that someone is saying yes you're physically here they're saying how you see yourself and who you are as a person is valid and deserving of love Hmm. yes that's such a, a lovely message and I think that's such a good suggestion specifically for <laughs> feeling like yourself and walking down the street I love it so much um so I will uh, find that on the internet and link it in the description so people can click right to and listen to it. Um, <laughs> where do you prefer, if you prefer at all, people find you and or follow you on the internet? Uh, so I've been taking a little bit of a social media break uh, just mm-hmm. to get ahead on some projects that I'm working on. But uh, please, you know, follow me on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is monchichi226. Uh, that's M-O-N-C-H-I-C-H-I-226. Yes, it's a reference to the dolls sucking their thumbs. It's also a reference that's not necessarily PG-13. Uh, you either get it or you don't. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Ari. It was such a pleasure chatting with you. Yes, it was. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a good day. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Fashion for All. Please be sure to check our show notes for information and links to our guests and their work. Be sure to subscribe or follow us on your podcast platform of choice and leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. For more Smart Glamour goodness, you can head to smartglamour.com and follow us on Facebook at backslash smartglamour and Instagram at smart underscore glamour. Thanks. Thanks.